Welcome to Girl Meets 30, a podcast exploring the unexpected journey to becoming a 30-something. Hi, I'm your host, Tara, here to share experiences from my 20s that have changed my life, while also interviewing others about their journeys. Through these conversations, I hope to inspire you to choose your best life and to prove you're not alone if you're feeling like life has taken you somewhere totally different than where you expected. In this space, we define our own success. Hey, what's up, you guys? Happy Monday, I hope. (laughs) I know I'm cutting this deadline really close again. Um, I did spend the last week still recovering from being sick, so I'm kind of just behind on everything, but I think I'm finally returning to normal, so hopefully that means that the next few weeks I'll be more on top of things, I guess. So let's start off with our Monday moment of gratitude. One of the responses I wanted to highlight was from my friend Paul, who said how much he appreciates where he lives. He's living in Liverpool, and he had gone for a nice walk, and he just mentioned that he's appreciative of all of the history that the city has to offer, and that there's always something interesting for him to see. First off, this makes me miss traveling a lot, and I really cannot wait to start taking some more adventures, but also, there's a lesson here to be learned from Paul. Anytime that I can walk somewhere rather than drive or even take public transportation, I feel myself connecting with the location on a much deeper level. It has changed my perspective on many cities. I highly recommend it whenever you can. In my opinion, walking is such a beautiful way to explore a new place or to gain a new appreciation for even a place that you've been for a long time. You just somehow become more a part of it. You're more immersed in it. I don't know how else to explain it, but it allows you to appreciate things so much more, and I am so grateful that Paul has shared this gratitude with us, so thank you so much, Paul. As far as my gratitude for the week, I'd have to say getting to spend some time with my family finally after being sick for so long. Isolating isn't easy, especially if you thrive off of real human interaction like I do. Hashtag extrovert problems, but it's hard to be by yourself sometimes, especially for that long when you just don't even have a choice. And on top of that being sick, it just, it was a rough couple of weeks. But I'm really grateful to be better now for the most part and to be able to interact with people again. So that's all for me on gratitude this week, but I absolutely love hearing from you guys. So please make sure to head on over to my Instagram story and share your gratitude for the week. Who knows, maybe you'll be featured on next week's episode. So as I mentioned in last week's episode, today is going to be about breaking up with perfectionism. It's certainly played a role in my life and is something that I'm still working on overcoming, if I'm being totally honest. I've definitely become more aware of the unhealthy effects it has had on me, though. And so it's it's something that I have been actively working on for quite a while at this point. Before we begin, I'd also like to mention a little disclaimer that I should have mentioned in the last episode as well, but I am in no way a professional who is qualified to give any advice on 
coping with anxiety or perfectionism. I firmly believe that everyone's journey will be different and that working with a professional is always the best route, but I do love that we live in a society that is finally normalizing this and normalizing these conversations. So that all being said, I'm just here to give some anecdotes based on my own personal life and my experiences. So please take everything that I say with a grain of salt and remember that all of our journeys are different. But back to talking specifically about perfectionism. According to psychologists, there are two types of perfectionism, adaptive and maladaptive. Regardless of the type, perfectionists have high expectations for themselves, but their ability to be realistic and adapt as well as their relationship with failure, like we talked about in the last episode, these things will vary between the types. So adaptive perfectionism is when you can understand yourself and set realistic goals while understanding your limitations but not feeling defined negatively by them. So if this is you, you're able to strive for greatness but you're not so critical of yourself if things work out differently than expected. On the other hand, there's maladaptive perfectionism, which can have a much more negative impact. These behaviors include setting unrealistic expectations for yourself, for others, feeling afraid to begin or finish something because maybe it won't turn out perfectly, and feeling like your identity and your self-worth depends on this perfect performance. In this case, if you can't control something or something doesn't go as planned, you might really notice a difference in your emotions, if you're feeling you know, negative, sad, depressed, etc., about it. These are just a few of the potential behaviors that you might see from a maladaptive perfectionist. So if this is something that you're worried about and how perfectionism may be affecting you, it's definitely a good idea to chat with a professional because maladaptive perfectionism can have greater risks of negatively affecting your mental health. That all being said, I recognize some of these behaviors as ones that I struggled with for a while especially in the first couple decades of my life. I definitely kept myself from achieving much of what I wanted to because I needed things to be perfect. And I guess part of me must have recognized how impossible that actually was because once I really started feeling this intense pressure to be perfect while also feeling more incapable than ever to achieve that perfection, then I started procrastinating. And procrastination is one of the potential signs of a maladaptive perfectionist. Just because you procrastinate doesn't mean that you are a maladaptive perfectionist. However, if you are a maladaptive perfectionist, you may procrastinate. That may be a sign of it. So just something to consider and be aware of. I, on the other hand, spent most of my childhood doing the exact opposite of procrastinating. I knew that everything had to be perfect and I knew how long that would take. So I would start everything super far in advance and tweak the tiniest details over and over again. I had always done really well in school, but I remember in third or fourth grade, my mom had complained to the school about how much homework we were getting because I was working from the time I got home until the time I went to bed. But as it turns out, that was partially just me being slow to complete my work because I would rewrite each sentence over and over again until every letter was written perfectly and spaced out perfectly. But then I'd have issues with eraser marks and I would have a meltdown about that. This particular behavior didn't last forever, but it definitely carried over into different areas of my life year after year. And when I think and reflect, I definitely recognize some of those moments as ways that my perfectionism hindered me when I was really young. But at that point, I thought it was what I had to strive for, what people expected of me. Making a single mistake was somehow beneath me, so even if I made mistakes at home, I couldn't let my teachers or anyone else know that. How could I even imagine letting anyone see me as anything less than perfect? How horrible would that be? (laughs) 
I also got a detention in second grade and broke down in class sobbing to the teacher because this was somehow going to define me for the rest of my life. Now, I got that detention for beginning my homework in class. I'm clearly not over it. I don't recall the teacher saying not to or giving me a warning even. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. I was not someone who would choose to not listen to the teacher. But for whatever reason, my teacher thought this warranted a detention in second grade. To this day, I don't really understand what happened there, especially after teaching second grade myself for three years. But at this point, none of that actually matters. What matters was my reaction and how I thought that that defined me as a person. And I was now a kid who got a detention. It was ridiculous the way that I viewed that. But that's just where I was at the time. Then it hurt a lot to feel like my teacher and my parents and my classmates wouldn't see me as perfect anymore. It was so hard for me. I broke down and I sobbed hysterically in class, pretty much for the whole day, like couldn't focus on anything else. And I distinctly remember talking to my teacher about it and crying so hard that I could hardly breathe. And I don't know, I was like panicking and I ended up calling her mommy somehow. And then I just felt even more embarrassed. I had such a hard time with that for such a long time. I hated how much I felt like a failure. And I don't know, putting that pressure on myself, feeling like that was kind of a a pattern for me. I was sick constantly in third grade out of fear. Fear of what my teachers or classmates might think of me if I didn't complete something to perfection. I missed a lot of my third grade year due to stomach issues that were caused by my anxiety. If I realized that I had forgotten to do something, I was suddenly unable to go to school or I would have to leave early. And saying I was sick wasn't exactly a lie because I was physically sick, but it was brought on by how I felt emotionally. I have countless stories from my youth where I was so worried that I couldn't meet my own expectations when I was, you know, turning in a project, when I had to audition or perform, or when I was, you know, starting a new school or something. The list goes on. And the pressure that I put on myself at those times to meet my own unreasonable expectations made me sick a lot. And that stuff got worse before it got better. By the time I got to high school is when it became more apparent to me that I was struggling with maladaptive perfectionism. Not that I recognized it as that then, but I can definitely tell now. And that was when I had really started to indulge in the art of procrastination, like I said. But I think that I did this for a few reasons. One, because it was suddenly the cool thing to do or something. I don't know. Everyone was doing it, it seemed. But two, because I was taking more challenging classes, but still expected myself to achieve at the level of perfection I had always held myself to. But I realized pretty quickly how much higher that new bar was, and suddenly I was hyper aware of how unachievable my expectations were, so I'd have a really hard time deciding where and when to start something. So instead of just adjusting my expectations, I thought that me not being able to achieve those things somehow meant that I was less, that I wasn't good enough. But I also think that it was partly because of reason number three, which is that in realizing that I was surrounded by a bigger group of more intelligent students now that I was in these classes, that if I worked hard for weeks on something and didn't perform as well as others, then that was a genuine reflection of me and my imperfections. However, I also realized that if I procrastinated and didn't perform well enough, then at least I had an excuse and didn't have to admit that I just wasn't smart enough. I I couldn't stand the idea of trying my best and not being perfect, you know? It definitely kept me afraid of failing and was very stressful and very anxiety-inducing. I just judged myself so harshly. So, I don't know, maybe that was just my solution, a way of self-sabotaging my own education as a form of protection. I'm not really sure. I'm just, you know, speculating here on past me. I'm not sure, but either way, 
Having the expectation that perfection was the only way, or it wasn't even worth trying my best anyway, was very problematic. It probably kept me from truly learning and growing, and it didn't help relieve any of the anxiety I felt about giving presentations in class or participating in group work. If anything, I was just feeding into this idea that I wasn't enough and that since I couldn't add perfect answers to the class discussion or to the group work, then I should just avoid saying anything at all. Why even bother participating? Anyway, now I just kind of feel like I'm rambling about all the ways that I let this pressure affect me, and I feel like I could go on and on forever, so I'm going to put a stop to it, but I just wanted to share all of this in case anyone else can relate to any of those stories. I feel like we all have such complicated journeys, and people don't see the majority of it. I think that it's good to open up and just honestly relate to and connect with each other. It's important to remember that you can't always tell what's going on in someone's head either. A lot of us are our own harshest critics and that can definitely cause ourselves a lot of damage. I think that's one of the reasons why I feel like it's so important to just normalize opening up and talking about these things. I could be wrong but I don't know maybe it'll help us feel less alone and possibly feel more hopeful that things can change and it could even help us recognize if it's a good time to seek more professional help. There are so many ways that perfectionism can affect our lives. And I think sometimes we try to look at it like it's some positive thing. I mean, it's one of the most common answers given when a potential employer asks you about your weaknesses in an interview. I feel like we treat it like it's this like humble brag or something. We feel like saying this is our weakness can be spun positively. But the more I start to think about it, the more I realize that it truly is a weakness and not just some strength disguised as a weakness. I was definitely one of those people who was guilty of saying that in an interview a time or two. I haven't in a long time as I realized and kind of changed my relationship with perfectionism, but it is an incredibly common answer. And yeah, I think that needs to change. See, perfectionism can impact us in a lot of different ways, and it can actually be very detrimental to the way that we view ourselves, to our productivity, how we interact with others and see other people, and even our mental health. We can lose a lot of the enjoyment that life has to offer by being so caught up in having these unrealistic expectations for ourselves and others. You know, it can cause us to procrastinate, to never start something, to never finish something, to tweak something on end until we've actually messed it up. Very common when you're creating art, for example. You really have to know when to stop. (laughs) You know, and not to mention that any time that we don't meet those expectations, it can start to drive down the value that we place on ourselves, having long-term effects on our happiness and wellness. Also, focusing too much on the details for too long can impact the quality of our work and how much we're actually able to accomplish, wasting time that could have been used far more productively elsewhere. You know, and not to mention that if we also expect too much out of other people, like our partners, for example, it can be damaging to a relationship, but also to that person, whether you stay together or not. Furthermore, it's just unrealistic, and it shows that we are either unwilling to see and accept ourselves and the world as is, that we have difficulty prioritizing things, that we have difficulty being understanding, or that we have an unhealthy relationship with failure. I feel like we could continue to go on a long list of negative side effects of being a perfectionist. At this point in my life, I truly believe that perfectionism is a flaw, which is kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? (laughs) 
But it does imply a lot more than just that we have high expectations for ourselves, as we think it sounds in an interview. And of course, it's going to affect us all differently, as we're all different humans, but I don't know, I used to think that I wanted to be a perfectionist. I thought it was a good thing. I liked that part of me. It just seemed like a great character trait, which reminds me of an episode of Even Stevens. Does anyone remember the episode about Ren being a perfectionist? In this episode, she gets a C in her woodshop class because she made this pizza paddle while other kids were making these super amazing creations, and she was just devastated. It was the end of the world for her. And I used to feel that way too. I feel like I related so much to Ren in this episode. It's just how I felt about myself. And I don't know, I remember, you know, feeling like, yeah, I get it. It's not acceptable to get a C. That is devastating. I remember my first B. I remember my first C. I also remember my first D because these were traumatic events for me. Anything less than an A was unacceptable. I don't believe that now at all, but I definitely internalized a lot of that as a kid. It's just where my mindset was at the time. So I definitely relate to Ren in this episode. I could understand what she was going through. And clearly I didn't take the advice that Lewis gave her during that episode either. It just didn't register at the time, I guess. But looking back now, it was such a great line, especially from Lewis, who was kind of a mess in general. But he asked her if she ever just wants to be normal instead of being perfect at everything or instead of trying to be perfect at everything. And her response was that she didn't understand what was wrong with trying to be perfect. To which Lewis replies, it isn't normal. It's obvious that he managed to get through to her in this episode when he said that because she ended up getting a B as her teacher let her rework that project. But she was able to accept that even though it wasn't an A. And she was still able to let loose and join Lewis's party that he was having at the end of the episode. And I wish that back then, when I was watching that show, that I understood that I didn't have to be perfect, you know, that I had gotten that message, and also that it wasn't normal, and therefore was realistically nobody's expectation of me. Though I guess that the episode definitely doesn't help with that part in particular, because pretty much the whole school, except for Lewis, is disappointed in Ren. So if anything, that kind of makes you feel like there is a lot of external pressure, but I don't actually think that that's right. I think pretty much all the time most of the time, it is internal pressure that people who are perfectionists put on themselves. But in the end, none of that is what matters anyway. It isn't about other people's expectations. It is about your own and how you see yourself as a result, and that is definitely progress we saw Ren make there at the end of the episode. It's definitely something to think about with yourself, though. Like, how does perfectionism affect you? If not getting perfect results affects how you value yourself, then we do have an issue. And on the other hand, if you're just using it as a tool to learn and get better and achieve great things, then it it isn't so bad. But it is important to understand your relationship with perfectionism and to understand as well the potential dangers of it. Okay, so now that we've talked about what perfectionism is, how it can affect us in different ways, and also some of the struggles that I personally had with it, I would like to take some time to talk about the ways that I'm actively pushing myself to break up with perfectionism. How to cope with it by just telling it, no, you're not going to control me. This is not happening. I don't need you. <laughs> of course, 
doing this is something that's going to take time because it is a lot of rewiring of what's already been ingrained in you for such a long time, but I'm really happy to have this awareness and to be able to push back knowing that these perfect standards that I used to set for myself are very unreasonable and they're unachievable and honestly, they're just no fun. Like, they keep you from fun. They're terrible. I hate them. (laughs) But it's definitely been a journey and I do feel like I'm in a much better place now. But as you can see, it clearly affected me for a while when I was growing up. And like I said, it's not totally gone. It's still something I have to make active choices to fight back on. But that awareness is really helpful. So one of the major things that I've already talked about has just been getting outside of my comfort zone. I've been working on doing that a lot for the last 10 years and I think that that definitely helps because it puts me in a position where I have to accept not having full control. So if I know that there is a greater risk of failure and I'm okay with it because I know I can gain something from it anyway, having that mindset has definitely helped me to embrace imperfection. To understand that there is always a learning curve and sometimes the most challenging thing of all is just taking the first step. So anytime I do take that first step, I should just be proud of myself regardless of what level of achievement I'm at. It also helps me to understand that the journey and the growth and the progress are truly the best part. None of it's about the destination. For me, I found it to be very rewarding over time to take these chances and to put myself into these uncomfortable situations. So I'm personally a very big advocate for encouraging others to do the same, within reason of course, but reframing that mindset like I've discussed in previous episodes to just being grateful for opportunities to fail and opportunities to learn and to grow. It just, it makes you feel kind of invincible in a way. Like the things can't actually hurt you. And also just that there's so much beauty in our flaws and our mistakes and our imperfections. Our experiences shape us and they help us become better and stronger if we let them. A mentality like this has certainly made it a lot easier for me to let go of this idea of being perfect and the the major pressure I was putting on myself before. If I wanted to do everything perfectly, I would never try new things. I wouldn't be here recording this podcast right now and rambling on about my life experiences to you all, but I also never would have opened an Etsy shop to sell my products or started an Instagram that would document my imperfect art journey. It's literally called terrible art. (laughs) I was like fully embracing the imperfections there. But I also wouldn't have moved to China for three years to become a teacher, even though my degree is in marketing. And I don't know, I think it's just important to realize that talent isn't everything. You know, talent may be something that comes naturally, but what's more powerful is building a skill set. You know, building skill sets is something that we have our own control over, and that's really reassuring. Talent only gets you so far. And so I just hope that everyone can recognize how lucky we are to live in a time when information on just about anything is so readily available and easily accessible. I don't know about you guys, but it makes me feel free. Like I can do anything so long as I'm willing to try. Understanding now that I don't have to be perfect to start something or even to learn something, which is apparently what I thought when I was in school, clearly missed what the concept of school actually was supposed to be, (laughs) but it allows me to, I don't know, see a, a whole new world of opportunities and experiences to be had. I feel like we should really cue the music from Aladdin right now. Uh, Anyway, if you're someone that struggles with perfectionism or maybe someone who knows they're a perfectionist but doesn't see it as an issue, I still encourage you to turn those beliefs upside down or at least try to, even if only momentarily, just to practice some exercises in being imperfect. You may find it to be incredibly freeing or you may not. 
I don't know, but for me, it's been pretty liberating. Just, you know, set some deadlines for yourself, complete things or submit them, whether they're ready or not, perfect or not, just just do it. Just get moving, get the ball rolling, and don't worry about judging yourself or what other people might think. Just do it. That's all I can say. You know, just put yourself out there, and hopefully it helps you to judge yourself a little bit less, and also to judge other people less too, because then you can have more realistic expectations for everyone all around. You know, another thing without question that has played a huge role in my breaking up with perfectionism would have to be traveling. So I've always been a planner, like very by the minute type of planner. And I have always wanted everything to follow that plan perfectly. But that's also just unrealistic. Unforeseen circumstances occur all the time. So while I still do plan things, I'm far more flexible now and I don't feel like it's the end of the world when things go wrong. Just having a different mindset makes me feel more equipped to deal with obstacles. And when you're traveling, a lot of unknown obstacles can pop up. You can research and research and research a place, but you're just not prepared for everything. You can't be. You can never be prepared for everything, but at least when you're home, you can easily run through like 10 different solutions to a situation. Like if I get stuck by a train and I'm trying to go somewhere on time, I've got all these different routes and I can also plan ahead and know that that could happen. But you don't always have enough knowledge of a place that you're unfamiliar with to prepare in situations like that. So you just have to go with the flow a bit more. And yeah, things might not go as planned. You might miss something, but you also might find yourself somewhere else that's more exciting or find yourself on a new adventure. And I don't know, I feel like for me, some of my most memorable moments traveling have been because things didn't go as planned. Like missing a bus or a train because you misunderstood the schedule or or a transportation strike in France that left you stranded in an unknown city. Things happen. Sometimes they're our fault. Sometimes they're completely out of our control. But no matter what, the result's the same. You have to roll with the punches. And you just can't let it get you down or you might miss whatever good comes after it. Your travel time is limited. So if you let these mishaps affect you, then you're wasting your time and energy that you could have been using to adventure and explore and create happy memories. So I definitely say that travel, the environment, the time frame, everything has definitely helped to teach me that you just have to be present and go with the flow, you know? It's definitely been a nice skill to apply when I'm home or anywhere else too. And I now know that I can. (laughs) Another thing I do is try to approach learning like a child would. So this is something that has become clear to me through learning languages myself and also through teaching English to non-native speakers, but... It is such an important lesson that it should be applied to everything we want to learn, in my opinion. Young kids have such curiosity, you know, especially really young kids like babies and toddlers. They're just not deterred yet by failure. They don't try walking and then just give up because they fell down a few times. They're not going to stop learning to communicate just because someone couldn't understand what they were saying and, you know, maybe even laughed at them because it was so dang cute, but still, we don't judge children either for trying to learn things and failing along the way. It's acceptable. It's expected. It's what we want them to do. Nobody thinks that they should be perfect, and the babies themselves have no concept of trying to be perfect. Everyone involved has put less pressure on the child. It just doesn't exist. 
I don't know. So thinking about that makes me really curious when and why that change happens. When is it suddenly a problem to try something and fail? And why is that? It is truly such a normal process by nature. It's kind of frustrating when you think about it, but I'm sure it probably dives very deeply into psychology and society, and I'm sure it varies a lot from person to person. And anyway, I'm getting a little off topic here. Uh, so from, from teaching languages and learning languages, I truly admire the process that children take, and I think it's just such a powerful approach. Just Just go out there and use language. You make mistakes. Try your best, but make mistakes and learn as you go. Be curious and play with the language, you know, have some fun with it. You don't have to stress about using perfect verb tenses or proper spelling or getting all of your tones right. You know, that stuff will come in time. You just have to throw yourself into it and just try, you know? Besides, being able to be understood and to understand others is the most important part about learning another language. The other details can be worked out later. I mean, I studied French for eight years and then I studied abroad in France. I got 100% on basically every assignment I ever submitted, even at university. And my professors used to rave about my French grammar and writing skills. But even with all of that, by the time I studied abroad, I hardly felt comfortable speaking a single sentence to a native speaker. The way that we go about learning second languages is all wrong, in my opinion. But again, this is a topic that I could talk about for a very long time and I'm not going to do that today but my point is when I went to China without knowing a word of Mandarin I just took two years of classes while I was there and practiced on the daily in taxis and wherever and I just felt more comfortable engaging in discussion with these cab drivers than I ever felt with French or when I was in France which is just crazy to me. I have a million times more knowledge of the French language in my brain than I have of Chinese. Strictly from a knowledge standpoint it just doesn't add up. But from the point of simply putting myself out there, actually using the language and not having a fear of messing up, it makes a huge, huge difference. When I learned French, I was still in my perfectionist mindset. And I think that's why I struggled so much even when I moved to France. I mean, things got better over time because I didn't have a choice, but still, it was very hard. And I think it's because of my mindset. And that's why I'm so grateful today for websites like italki, which allows me to connect with native speakers in different languages, and they can help me apply that knowledge that I have in an environment where I'm encouraged to speak and make mistakes. They may give me pages upon pages of corrections, but I see the value of that now. They're not telling me I suck and I should give up. They're listening and praising me on what I've done well, and they're giving me more ways to improve. They're on my side. They want me to do well, and they're really great at fixing all of the problems that traditional language textbooks have. It's honestly been amazing, very eye-opening to talk to native French speakers who try to break me of habits that I specifically learned from multiple teachers and professors over the years in the United States. They just don't understand why I fall back to these certain words or phrases or grammar tenses, etc., when nobody would actually speak that way. It's just proof that it's better to learn by doing, not just by studying. Studying has its place, but you gotta do stuff. Gotta do it. So anyway, all this to say that diving into something because you're curious and you're excited to learn, even knowing that you will mess up, but that messing up will bring you just a little bit closer each time, is such an amazing takeaway from watching children learn. Trial and error, such a beautiful thing. And we should definitely apply this more often. I also feel like society should be better about encouraging learning in this way rather than making people feel bad for underachieving. 
I say embrace your inner child and just have fun feeding your brain. Progress over perfection, baby. So to wrap things up, you guys, it is fine to hold yourself to high standards and to push yourself to achieve great things. I know I still try to do that too, but I'm also aware that my perfectionist tendencies still haunt me a little bit because I have to make an active choice to put imperfect work out there and to intentionally put myself in situations where I may say, write, design, post something that's imperfect. But I want that though. It's so important to have an authentic representation of your growth. I mean, that is something that I I do so that I can set an example to myself that it is better to be imperfect and growing than to just be too afraid of mistakes that I never really start or never really go after the things that I want or never finish the things that I want. It's very important to start things before you're ready because if you're waiting until you're perfect or until timing is perfect, then you'll never actually start. Not to mention the very important fact that the more that you learn and progress, the more room you realize you have to learn and progress, the further from perfect you realize you are. Those goals suddenly seem even more distant, even more unattainable. So you just have to start doing things with the expectation that you're going to learn along the way and you're going to make mistakes. But by doing that, that is the fastest path to getting where you want to end up. And it's so important to be aware of how realistic or unrealistic those expectations are? Like, are we putting too much negative pressure on ourselves rather than supporting ourselves along the way? You should try to recognize how you feel about messing up and, you know, is that going to make you feel bad or change how you feel about yourself and your identity? How hard are you going to be on yourself? Do you have an emotionally abusive relationship with yourself? Because I think a lot of us do. (laughs) Would you treat your friend or family member the same way that you treat yourself? You know, if they made a mistake or didn't perform perfectly? Would you let someone else talk to your friend or family member the way that you talk to yourself? These are very important questions to reflect on. I feel like we we need to be really careful what we say to ourselves because whatever we say to ourselves just strengthens whatever that belief is. We begin to see those things as undeniable truths the more that we think about them, even if they aren't true at all. So many of us would benefit, I think, from extending ourselves some grace and understanding the, the true power of the mind, but that could be a whole topic on its own too. Just expecting perfection isn't an achievable goal. If you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure, or you're setting yourself up for a goal that is too high that you don't know where or how to begin and you won't feel confident enough to start. We've got to break these things down, but also expect and accept mistakes. Embrace that journey, love the bumps in the road that are actually, you know, nudging you in the direction that you need to go, and know that everybody has a journey. Nobody was perfect from the beginning. You might only see their accomplishments and might view them as pretty much perfect, but that doesn't mean that they've only ever had accomplishments and that they've never failed. They've probably failed a lot to get where they are now. That can pretty much be guaranteed. So don't compare yourself to where someone who is 5, 10, 15 years ahead of you. It's just going to make you feel like you don't have what it takes. And that's going to stall your starting. 
you know, many people have said this, but you should only be comparing yourself to your past self, not to someone else's highlights. So if it helps, share your journey, like on social media or YouTube or a podcast or wherever. <laughs> I, I just, I can't believe how much pride personally I feel after being able to look back and see the progress I've made on things, even though I knew that I was posting things without them being perfect. But I look back and I can see that growth and it is so rewarding. It builds my belief in myself so much and it encourages me to keep going. I also think that people just enjoy seeing others grow. It's inspiring. I love seeing people's like progress pics or seeing how, you know, their photography skills have improved or whatever it is. So just don't be afraid to share your story with others. I also think that at this point in time with the internet and social media, people are actually craving more authenticity and less curated content. So it's a good time to open up and just be real. So as the final recap, the ways I personally try to cope with perfectionism are one, making myself do things even if I feel inadequate, ill-prepared, or inexperienced. Get uncomfortable and grow from it. Two, set deadlines that keep you consistently growing and completing things. Even if you feel you could be tweaking and perfecting it, just submit it, upload it, post it, print it, whatever. Just start finishing things. Three, practice letting go. Learn to roll with the punches, go with the flow, however you wanna say it. Accept things as they come. You don't have to have all the solutions. You just have to know how to keep your spirits up when life throws the unexpected at you. Plus, you just never know what kind of adventure might come from it. So be present and enjoy it. Four, learn like a child does. Try to be curious and excited to learn. If you really want to get better and you aren't afraid of failure, then you'll be able to embrace the positives of making mistakes. And five, be logical and gracious with yourself. Your journey looks different from others. Everyone has failures, but we usually don't get to witness those. Only compare yourself to the person you were yesterday and support yourself knowing that you are moving forward at your speed in your own way. And that's all that matters. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Girl Meets 30. If you're looking for more ways to engage in these discussions about growing ourselves through this chaotic, beautiful mess we call life, then come join the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at Girl Meets 30. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star rating and a follow on your preferred listening platform. Thanks again for your support, and I'll catch you guys next week.